Thanks for listening to the podcast from That Church Conference. Conversations, resources, and training for churches and ministries who want to learn how to better relate and engage online. With your hosts, Justin Dean and Van Baird. Hey everyone, Justin Dean here. We've got a special bonus podcast episode for you. Isn't that special? The other day we had a double header with the Blab Show, interviewed Dave Adamson for North Point during the day and Jarrett Stevens in the afternoon. And so today we've got the uh, playback with Jarrett for you. This is one of the better interviews that uh, I've ever been a part of. Jarrett Stevens is uh, co-pastor up at Soul City Church in Chicago. It's the church where we are holding our uh, first intensive workshop May 3rd. And uh, he and his team have just been uh, incredibly generous to us. So we were excited to have him on the show. Little did we know um, just how awesome he really is and the content that he's putting out. We talk about his uh, new book, Four Small Words, which is uh, a really just awesome book that uh, you could hand to someone who... Uh, doesn't know much about the Bible or they're turned off from the Bible or they have a hard time understanding the Bible, this book applies um, some great insight into um, how to just break down the Bible into really these four concepts that he talks about. So we will get into that. We'll also talk about his church plant, how they started Soul City Church, and uh, just how the compassion and generosity and community um, that they believe in up there uh, trickles on down from him to everyone in the staff. We've just experienced um, just wonderful generosity and kindness from them. And so we we learn from him um, how to facilitate that as a leader. So it's a really good interview. Uh, Before we get into that, I want to mention we do have a couple extra tickets left for the workshop uh, up there in Chicago. Uh, So it's May 3rd. If you go to thatcc.com, you can grab those last few tickets before we close the doors and call it sold out. So you don't want to miss that. Hope you can join us. And uh, thank you for listening into the podcast, for joining us on the Blabs. We do the Blabs live every Wednesday uh, on the Blab platform. You can look it up. It's a pretty awesome platform. And... uh, you can go to thatchurchconference.com slash blab to see all our past episodes there if you want to watch the videos and see the chat and everything that goes on there. And if you join us live on Wednesdays, you can actually join by video uh, and participate in the blab as well uh, when we do Q&A. So we've got those coming every week. We've got some awesome guests. Next week we will talk to Kem Meyer, who is also a speaker up at the conference, uh, up at the workshop in Chicago. And she is awesome. So I know that's going to be a good episode as well. All right, let's get into our interview with Jarrett. Here we go. I want to jump in with Jarrett and your book that we were talking about. I um, hadn't had a chance to read it until about a week ago, and then I devoured it um, because it was so easy to That's read. Cool. Um, and it's four small yeah. words and just a simple understanding of, of the gospel and the Bible. And uh, yeah. I don't want to steal yeah. all the thunder because I want people to read the book. But if you could just kind of give us an overview of why you decided to write it and um, and what the, yeah. the heart of the book's about. 
Yeah, the book came out of this church. I mean, it came out of what we're the folks that God keeps bringing to our church is a lot of uh, unchurched folks or out of church for a long time folks. And anytime we would say to folks in our service, we'd say, you know, hey, open to the book of Ephesians. You know, you get this really right. blank stare and not a lot of activity, you know, and and you know, people try not to make eye contact with me. And so, Bible. yeah, no, nothing really. No, I mean, I heard people checking their email, but not but not. Right. Turn it so we realized a couple of things. Um, one, we don't have any Bibles in the room and people aren't bringing their Bibles because they don't have Bibles, you know, or they just. It's kind of a different thing, a new thing for them. So we stocked the uh, seats of our church with Bibles, nothing new there. But we said every week, if you don't own a Bible, um, we want you to steal a Bible from church today. Like that, nothing would make us happier than you stealing a Bible. I from love church the irony. Today. That's great. And yeah, and it was fun. It's like, like you can brag on Monday that you stole a Bible from church on Sunday. <laughs> and it's been fun because every week since we did that a couple of years, that was about four years ago that we rolled that out. I mean, no kidding. We're having to restock Bibles every week. So and it's, cool. it's just cool to see people actually get access to the Bible and some for the very first time or first time in a long time. And so, so then it was like, okay, now they have a Bible, but they still don't know where <laughs> Ephesians is. And so, okay, is like, am I going to be mad at people who've grown up in a culture where there is biblical illiteracy? And I hear people in Christian circles, at least talk about biblical literacy with like a shaming sort of tone. Like, can you believe the culture we live in? It's like, yeah, of course I can. This is the culture we live in. It's not what it was 50 years ago. People aren't growing up with the Bible. It's not, you know, as, as, um, accepted or, or, you know, mainstream as it once was. And so how can we help people with that? How can we help people come around the Bible? So that's where I started writing this book of like, what if you could look at the whole arc of the Bible, the whole story of the Bible, in four movements, it kind of if you could understand the big story, maybe that would take away some of the intimidation of the Bible. And uh, and so that's what it is. It's four words, four movements, and they're they're small words, easy to get. And so that when you come to any point in the Bible, you can go, oh, I know what's going on here. Oh, this is the part where it's this, and you at least feel like, oh, I got that. I know, I understand the bigger context of what's going on here. So so yeah, that's the book. So the four words just yeah. simply are. Um, of, between, with, and in. Of, between, with, in. And uh, of is the, the creation account, Genesis 1 and 2. So like you're created in the image of God. And then between is Genesis 3 through the end of the book of Malachi. So the rest of the Old Testament. And that is sin comes between us and God. So you're created in the image of God, but sin comes between you and God. And then what you also see in the Old Testament is all the things that we put between us and God, you know, and then all the things that God does to come between us and our sin. Right. And so that's like when you understand that that's what the commandments are, that's what the covenants are, mm -hmm. that's what the temple is, that's what priests are, that's what prophets are. All of those are God stepping between us and our sin so that we could have relationship with him. It's like, oh, OK, well, that actually makes a little bit more sense. And then you get to the third movement, which is the gospel accounts. And that word is with God, with us. And that's how God changes the story is he becomes the go between himself right. and he comes to be with us. And then the last word starts in Acts chapter two. And that word is in, and that's God in us. And the rest of the new Testament is a picture of what life looks like when you really get that God is in you, that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is actually in you. Right. And so that was the thought behind the book. And it's been fun to see what, God's doing with that. And, um, you know, like you, I'm trying to make it simple without, without 
it doesn't take the power or any of it away. It just gives context. It's like, oh, I want to understand the bigger picture better. So these four words, these four movements help give a kind of a framework for the Bible. And um, so, yeah, it's been fun to share with our church and have our church share with folks. Like it's, it's really cool to, um, you know, to, to see folks start to get it, you know, and, and, and love the Bible and engage the Bible um, for some folks for the very first time in their life. Yeah, it's and the stories in the book are great. Um, I laugh out loud um, about mm-hmm. the secret society and the secret handshake. Um, <laughs> yeah. That um, you know, it's, so yeah. there's great stories in there. But I was wondering, was when you were writing the book, did you have an intended audience in mind? Because it it, it does seem yeah. like it could be people for in the church that are already believers, but it also seems so simple to hand and talk yeah. to with somebody who's not um, a believer. Yeah, it, that, you know, the book started from this idea for folks who are new to the Bible or intimidated, is really intimidated right. by the Bible. Right. That's really where it started from. It's like, all right, you know, yes, we live in a biblically illiterate culture. So get over it. What are we going to do about it? Like right. you can keep shaming people for that or you can help them. Mm-hmm. And I'd rather be a part of helping them. And so that's where it started. I was like, oh, I want to write. But then the more I got into it and I started sharing the message with folks and I started teaching this stuff out to see how it would work, you know, it's kind of like, um, AB testing with the message, you know, I was like, does this work? Does this work? Does this stick? You know, in the beginning I had some different words. It's like, Oh, that, that doesn't work. And so, so, you know, a little marketing right there, trying to figure out what works best. Sure. Uh, I began to hear from Christian folks who'd been around the Bible their whole life, but had lost or fallen out of love with it and had lost relationship with the Bible and how that relates to their relationship with God. And then began to go, Oh yeah, this is, this is actually for folks who've been around the Bible for a long time as well, but have lost their passion or their engagement with the Bible. And so, it, you know, it kind of was for both sides of that. For the folks who like are killing it with like, you know, BSF and are like buying the newest book on the Bible. It's probably not right. for them, honestly. Like they're, they're doing great <laughs> and they got it. You know what I mean? And that's fantastic. I'm trying to help the people kind of over here, you know, on the, on the margins and going, I, I want to speak to these which folks. Where most people who are brand new to it or these folks who fall out of it, which I think, yeah, probably most, most people are. So well, early yeah. on, that's, you that's actually use a little math formula in, in the form, form of words. You say access is greater than interest. And I think that speaks to the people yeah, that have an interest in the Bible, yeah. but don't really know what the access is. And so this, these four words, this ability to approach the Bible in a certain way can take you and give you the access that maybe you haven't had before. Well, and what's interesting is, I mean, you guys get this because you're in, you know, digital technology and communications and marketing, all that kind of stuff. Like you, you get this intuitively. We've never lived in it. There's never been a time in the history of the world where there's greater access mm-hmm. to the Bible. There's never been time where the Bible is literally more available now than at any point since the very first printing of the Bible. Yep. And simultaneously, we live at a time where there's perhaps uh, never been any la- a greater lack of interest to the Bible. Yeah. So you have more Bibles than ever before <laughs> and more access to the Bible than ever before with significantly less interest in the Bible. And so right. – you know, that makes me go, okay, well, maybe, maybe we're, we're missing something in our communication about the Bible or how we engage the Bible or what the point of the Bible is. Because the issue now isn't like, oh, I just, I never, you know, I, I didn't know, I didn't know that I could read a Bible. It's like, you, there's Bibles everywhere. I mean, you can get on your phone, you can right. get anywhere. The, the issue now is like, well, why do I need to read the Bible? Why does it matter? How does it help me connect to God? How does it shape my life? Does it, does, you know, is it, does it matter? That old question, is it relevant? That kind of stuff. So, right. you know, that's, 
that's the access interest thing is it's just an interesting dichotomy to live in um, that we're all in the midst of. So, well, in the, you know, when you go through the four movements in the book and you get to the end part, I find myself thinking about a lot of people that want their friends to understand what it means to be in, you know, as far as that part of the movement. And you, you write about Saul, who was the church bully. And how, how does the church reach the Saul's today, right? The people that are anti-church, they're against the church, they're angry toward the church. Because I see so many people wanting to get their friends that are those Saul's of today, want to get them to the end movement so badly that they tend to bypass what God's trying to do in their life already. Does that make sense? Totally makes sense. And, you know, I think there was a time and it was, and we have reaped the benefits of this movement. There was a time where um, programming was the, was the way to do that. And, and on, you, you cannot not give credit to Bill Hybels and the Willow Creek Community Church that created a movement called the Seeker Movement. Like that just didn't exist. It really, truly, I mean, in pockets, but not at that level where it's like, no, we're actually creating a whole experience for, in church for people who don't want to go to church. Like radical and took a lot of flack for that and still do, you know, to this day. And, but that kind of shift in the mindset. And I think it, as is evidenced in churches all over the world, it has it has had a tremendous effect, yeah. but there's a shift. There's a total shift now. And it's that, that is not as effective as what I think is the, our new apologetic for the church, which is compassion and justice, authentic, holistic compassion and justice that, that, that is a, a, a new, and it's very old, but in the, the day we live in, a new apologetic to say, Hey, look, we're actually about more than ourselves. That actually is we're And so, you know, as we came to start, we got to stand on the shoulders of Willow Creek community church and North point, and all kinds of other great churches. And we got to take all the best of that and say, okay, here's how we're going to try and put our spin on it. We want to be not a place like for people, just for people to come because people keep coming. Right. right? We want to be a church that is out in the neighborhood and is better seven days a week rather than just one. Like that, we want to be known as a church that's better seven days a week rather than just one that everyone yeah. comes to. That's and amazing. I think there's something to that. I certainly so don't good. think that's the only thing God is using. God can use whatever he wants to use. But when you talk about reaching, yeah, we talk about Paul. And Paul was the ultimate outsider right. who went and brought others in, you know, after his right. conversion. And I think for, for to reach those folks in this day, it's, there's something to an authentic, holistic, long sustaining compassion and justice connection to the community, you know, where it's not just sort of projects that we send people out on, but we are committed to long-term relationships with folks right here and in some cases around the world. But I just, there's just, you, there's something about that, that it's, it's a lot harder to argue with that because you can go to any you know, really well polished and put together church right. and still not like it. Be like, ah, oh, that song was lame. Or why did they cover a Katy Perry song? Right. You know, like you can have all your issues sure. or whatever, but it's, it's hard to argue with a church that is deeply engaged in an after school program right in the neighborhood. It's hard to argue with the church that throws parties for the neighborhood. And like in our, you know, we throw Chicago's largest Easter egg hunt. Yeah. And we, we do that because it's, it's not, it is, you know, marketing, I guess at some level, but it's not that that's not what, it's about for us. For us, it's, we right. love this city. 
and we love the people in the city and we want them to know that there's a church that just cares and loves for them as well as for, you know, folks that, you know, might never, ever, ever come through our doors, but they know us because we are present in the community. So I think that maybe might be an answer to your question about, you know, how you reach folks who are so outside the church or cynical or skeptical or burned by the church or have their stories about the church is, is just sort of an inarguable compassion and, and relationship with the community. So, well, you know, we get this argument a lot that a big church or a mega church and arguably y'all aren't at that stage yet, but I mean, with that many people coming through on a Sunday, still a lot of people, you know, we're in Atlanta. Um, the yep. argument that, oh, well, that what you're doing in Chicago won't work in Topeka, right? <laughs> so w- what what are y'all doing that's transferable and something that our listeners, regardless of their church size, what's working really well for you guys where you say, hey, this is, this is something that's um, uh, recreatable in any church environment From that, to build those relationships and, and build Well, I think totally. I, I think that. I think any church can, and with, you know, at the risk of using a, a, a guilt inducing word, right. Must be engaged in right. their community. I just, and that's not, that's any church can do that. Any church can go volunteer at an under-resourced school in their neighborhood or their community. Every community has the school that the rest <laughs> of the kids get sent to. And so are we going to continue to perpetuate that? Or are we going to say, well, no, we're in it. We're, we're, right. we're, we're here. What, and what do you need? We're not coming here with our program. We're not coming here to tell you how to do it. We're here and we're not going anywhere. So what, is there any way we can help? Is there any way we can serve? Is there any way we can partner? Is there any way we can come alongside what you're doing? And, you know, any church, 30 people, 30,000 people can actually do that. And I think that long sustained work of, compassion and, and justice, you know, in the same, that like long, slow in the same direction, yeah. there is just something about that, that is um, it just feels to me a little bit more in line with uh, gospel living. And um, so anyone can do, anyone can do that. And, you know, anyone, I, I think any church, one of the things that we've really tried to do is uh, to make no assumptions about who's coming. Okay. Um, I have the privilege to speak at a lot of different uh, churches and, you know, I've been to churches where the assumption is that everyone's already in, that everyone who's in church is there because they're totally on board with Jesus and totally on board with Christian. Well, in many ways, it's Christian ease, Christian language, and all the phrases that we say that we don't even pay attention to that the world goes, what, you know? And so we try and not make any assumptions about who's coming. We do the best we can to understand our neighborhood and demographics and, all that kind of stuff, but we don't assume that everyone's already on board. And equally, we don't assume that everyone's kind of skeptical, cynical, you know, seeker, whatever you want to call it. We, we try and go, okay, well, let's just speak as though, you know, we're going to actually talk to these people. Like we talk to our friends. We're not going to make any assumptions that they get all of this language or that they know what we're talking about. And it's not dumbing down. We just try and position ourselves more like a teaching hospital. You know, it's like, well, let's, let's talk about what we're doing while we're doing it. Let's explain what communion is while we serve communion. Communion is this. And And so if you'd like to participate in this or, you know, this is baptism. And the reason we baptize is this, you just, you, you kind of give context to things. And I think anyone can do that. I think what we just, we forget because we get in our own little bubble is that everyone's already on board or they get what we're talking about. And you, you just forget, you miss it. There's folks who are walking in for the very first time and their life literally fell apart. 
or their marriage fell apart the day before. And you, you don't know that you don't, you have to be aware that there's, there could be anyone in this room. And so I just want to make sure that everyone can sort of get on board with where we're going. And that's not as simple as dumbing it right. down. It's just, it's helping everyone on board. That's so, so good, man. That's like, that is so good. I, I mean, now's the time to hit that share the last 30 seconds. I wish there was a share the last five minutes button, but <laughs> I, I love it, man. Like, why do you, why do you think it is that churches big and small aren't, doing what you're talking about, like showing this compassion, getting involved in the community. Like you guys, I know you're not just talking too, because we haven't even visited your church. And I can tell that this trickles down to every member of your staff that I've talked to. And we've talked to four or five of them now. I mean, just the generosity, the love, the compassion that you guys have shown to us, complete strangers, a small little boutique conference. And they just, they've run with it and have just loved on us so well. And it's almost like a struggle to, to love more back. Like we're definitely battling that out right now, trying to bless you guys just as much as you're blessing us. But what, why do you think other churches aren't jumping on that? I mean, it, you, you talk about assuming that people um, maybe just don't need it or don't get it, but yeah. I don't know. I think it, it might be more than that. Well, I would say, I, I you know, why, is it that more churches aren't kind of like having a more local gospel, you know, or more of a, that sort of local community connection. I think there's a lot of churches that do. I mean, I think there's a lot of churches in small rural towns that are doing that and don't even know that they're doing that. They're like such a fixture in their community. Um, But maybe there's not the intention behind it. Or maybe there's not sort of the, Hey, here's why we're doing, why we're connected to the community the way we are. But one of the main reasons is, and this is, I'll just tell you this from our own experience. Is this really hard? It is really hard to have a long sustained um, uh, mutual partnership with uh, organizations. In our case, uh, it's a home, an incredible holistic homeless ministry that existed long before we ever got here. And then two uh, under-resourced schools right here in our neighborhood. And then there's a little league um, on right by where the schools are at. That is an amazing, amazing organization. It's run by Christian folks. Um, but like half the coaches and, and folks that lead that are all from our church. Our, our kids play in that league and it's, you know, it's, um, it's not diverse. Our kids are the minority in that, which is beautiful and rad on so many levels. And the reason is because it's really hard, man. It's really, it's, it just takes, it takes such a humility. It takes such a persistence. It takes, um, you know, it takes a, uh, taking this second seat and not being the driver in, in, in relationships like that and going, Hey, we're here to serve. And it may not look as sexy on a year end, you know, report or something like that. And it's a lot easier lots of times to just kind of send someone with an organization around the world. It's a lot easier to, to do that. There's nothing wrong with that at all, but it just takes, it just takes some more work and it's really kind of humbling work, but Oh my gosh, it's so much more rich. Like, you know, when I, when the kids that I read with at Brown elementary, when I see them at the public pool or when I see them at the park and I, and there's, we know each other, we have relationship with each other. It's so much more rich to me than kind of going someplace and painting the same wall that everyone else has painted for the last five years for five days and then never seeing those people again. And so, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be critical of any of that. The people that do that or those trips that that occur. It's legit. Locally. My life's been changed on those trips, dude. Yeah. Yeah, My life's been changed. Absolutely. So, but there, there's a, a, a longer, you know, more sustained work that is, 
is just it's just harder. I mean, and the the assumption things too, the, the making no assumptions is harder. It's so much easier to just talk the same language or to just kind of assume we're all in and we all get the lingo and we all get what everything means. That's way easier. Yeah. And, and again, a lot of churches that do that, and it's fantastic. But I just think there's there's more folks to reach. Um, when you kind of do that longer, more sustained work. So totally agree. And so I want to encourage everybody listening to click on the link we've got in the bottom box there uh, for Jarrett's book. And it it really is an easy read. You can get it on iBooks. It's it's available wherever you can get a book. Um, And we're excited because everybody that's coming to our conference is going to get a copy. So if you want to wait another month for the hard copy, um, awesome. yeah, I didn't know that. That's fantastic. <laughs> Thank you guys. That's awesome. So um, we just want to fantastic. get in the hands of as many people as we can because it is an easy read. It speaks to that relationship awesome. model that for whatever reason, some churches struggle more with it than others. And maybe this could be an encouragement to people in the church that um, just maybe need a little get me over as far as how can we make the gospel more attractive and how can we make it even more simple. So, um, hey, we've got some questions that are coming in. This is great. Uh, We're actually going to be asking those or answering those here in just a second when we officially end the recording of the podcast. But, hey, Jared, before we get off the recorded session, uh, we just want to emphasize once again um, the the beauty that we see in your team just in emails, Um, the beauty we see in your team and the way they're accommodating and supporting us. Can you talk a little bit about from a leadership perspective where that top down did that was that a top down? Do you, do you get to take all the credit for that? How did you find these amazing how people? How did you down, instill? Yeah. How did you instill that kind of vision to be so open with the resources God's provided y'all? Well, I, that really means a lot to me, and I it, like there's a you know like a a papa bear kind of like oh man I'm so proud of <laughs> yeah. like our team and should be um, you know my wife and I. Uh, we co so we co pastors. So we started. So my wife's one of the pastors. I'm the other pastor. I heard we had the wrong Stephen. We both. Ha- today. Oh yeah. yeah, it's everyone knows that. <laughs> like it's you're you've totally. I didn't know that you guys didn't know that. But yeah, you guys. Yeah, it's There's all down by Jeannie. Where, what's she doing? <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I'm. I wish you guys. Uh, uh, you got connected to the wrong Stevens, but that's okay. I'm here now. <laughs> so. But you know, we both had. We both had the privilege of working at Willow Creek Church and at North Point Church. And you you can't miss the value of excellence there. And um, you can't miss that value of thoughtfulness and intentionality. Like those things are are really important. And we just kind of, we just happen to come up in that. We just happen to start our first ministry job at Willow and then go to North Point. And, and those things kind of just became a part of our DNA and um, and we've had so many other churches be so unbelievably generous with us that it's it's kind of like a how can we not be mm. with others and that really is a, what's at the heart of uh, not to keep preaching I know it's it's I don't need to keep preaching on you guys but that is what's at the heart of the gospel the gospel is the gospel is the most generous thing in the world it is the most generous gift of grace and of life for all people through Christ. And so we just go, how can we not be generous or stingy? Mm. How are we going to be stingy with this stuff? So many, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the generosity of other churches that came before us and, and are, are partnered with us right now. And so, mm. I don't know, I, I think our team just, I think they get that they're unbelievably quality people. Yeah. And so they're already just good people. Yeah. And so when you take really great people like that and you make that as a high value of excellence and thoughtfulness and generosity. I, what 
the hope is, is that it's felt what you guys have experienced. So that's really encouraging to me that you guys experience that. And obviously we hope that folks who come to our church experience and just feel loved and thought of the second they walk in the door, yeah. you know, it's like, Oh my gosh, you thought of me or you, you did all this for, you know, for me kind of thing, right. you know, and that's, that really is encouraging to me to hear that that's been your experience. And I hope you guys continue to receive that from us when you guys are here. Now that you're paying yeah. for the meals, though, that we're going to do, I mean, we're going to put your generosity <laughs> to the test. Okay, <laughs> we're, we're, we're up to the challenge. So. And uh, you, you, you have kind of ruined awesome. this. We're looking for, you know, churches and other cities to do these workshops in. And I just don't know. The bar has been set pretty high. So tell your team <laughs> oh, we said thanks. That's and very, very on behalf kind. of Justin and the rest kind. of that church conference, um, speakers and, and people that are contributing. We just want to say thanks for joining us today. Jarrett Stevens, everybody, give them some praise hands as we close out the recording session. <laughs> thanks for listening, everybody. Catch us next week with Kim Meyer. That Church Conference is the only digital communications conference for churches. Join us for the two-day conference September 20th and 21st in Atlanta. And for more intensive training, sign up for our workshop May 3rd in Chicago. Go to thatcc.com for more info.